The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks your climate-focused podcast produced by the team at RepublicEN.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson. A little bit in denial that it's November, listeners. While it was a little easier to get out of bed with a lighter morning today after changing the clocks, I do not like the dark evenings. (sighs) But on to today's guest. I'm happy to share my conversation with Sean Sullivan, the executive director of the Tampa Bay Regional Planning Council, which is working on a regional resilience strategy in the face of challenges posed by climate change. With this region making up the second largest economy in Florida, a region which houses almost 4 million people, the policy making they do at the local level there will have an impact on the state and can serve as a model for other municipalities and regions facing climate threats. So stay tuned, listeners. Sean Sullivan is coming up next. Welcome back, listeners. Super stoked to be in conversation today with Sean Sullivan, another person here to talk about Florida and some of the Hurricane Ian impacts. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chelsea. Uh, We look forward to discussing uh, Hurricane Ian impacts and uh, the good work of the Tampa Bay Regional Planning Council. Yeah, so tell me what the um, Regional Planning Council does. What are you responsible for? Chelsea, uh, we are comprised, we have what we call member governments, of which we have 27 member governments, which are six counties and 21 cities throughout the central west coast of Florida. Uh, We are comprised of 5,000 square miles and home to 3.8 million people. We are the second largest metropolitan area in terms of an economy in the state of Florida. And we're also the 17th largest metropolitan economy in America at over $200 billion. Wow. So with that, with those statistics in mind, I like to say we are a region to be reckoned with. <laughs> well, a region to be reckoned with that was recently re- reckoning itself with, um, with some big challenges. Um, how many of your 8.3 million people were impacted by Hurricane Ian? Well, I'd like to say uh, uh, in one way or another, even if it was just heavy rain and or wind gusts exceeding 50 miles an hour, I would say all of the 3.8 million people in this region had some impact. Uh, Clearly, Chelsea, those in Manatee County, which is our southernmost county on the west coast of Florida in this region, had uh, significant impacts, uh, the most significant impacts. Uh, particularly as it relates to agricultural land. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that at least one farm in Manatee County had over $12 million worth of damage. They they lost a a number of cattle in barns that house uh, farm animals. Uh, So we know that the the damage has been significant. Uh, It would be an economic challenge to rebound, but uh, we work pretty closely with our state and federal partners as well as county and city officials to, to help make that economy, economic recovery um, a more expeditious than otherwise. So what does that rebound look like? What sort of um, challenges are you facing as people are um, sort of 
coming to terms with what happened either residentially or with their businesses. Um, and, and just to note for listeners, like one thing that I think is really important to remember, especially in a state like Florida is that you don't have to have the eye of the hurricane pass over you to experience the impact. Sometimes the impacts happen and the rains that come later or the, um, the, um, surge that happens, a coastal um, surge that happens with water, you know, the seawater. And so you can be suffering the impacts of these storms well after they've passed and kind of moved their way either out to shore or to other um, regions. Absolutely, Chelsea. I mean, you're right on the mark. Uh, and I think that's a, 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 a misnomer that folks, they see the cone and they see the center of the hurricane cone that we all see on television as the forecasters and weather experts are broadcasting their their forecasts. And the, the, the reality is that anywhere in that cone, you can expect some sort of impact from a hurricane. And we know hurricanes are becoming, with climate change, they're becoming more frequent uh, and with higher intensity. You know, our rainfall is more frequent and higher intense during our rainy season. Uh, sea level rise is a real thing. We're, we're, we're witnessing it here in the Tampa Bay region. We know since 1953, we've had eight inches of sea level rise uh, via the St. Pete tide gauge. So we wow. know sea level rise is, is real. And then our summers are warming. We had the warmest summer on record in the Tampa Bay region this past summer. Uh, and I like to tell the story, Chelsea, if someone were born in 1970, they'd be, if my math is right, they'd be 52 today or 50 today, maybe, mm-hmm. um, that when they were born, the there were 40 days of 90 degrees plus in the Tampa Bay region. Fast forward to today, that number has doubled. There are 80 days of, of uh, 90 degrees plus in the Tampa Bay region. Seldom do we hit 100 here in Tampa Bay because we're fortunate. We get that breeze mm-hmm. either from the East Coast or the West Coast, but it gets pretty hot during the day, and, and that affects our economy. You know, it affects our workforce Uh Particularly, I mean, you really can't be working out building a road or a bridge in 90 degree heat. It's just, you know, people will get sick and die. And of course, we want to prepare that. So what do we do? We become prepared. We learn from each other. We work with our state and and county and city partners. And we help to develop best practices and strategies moving forward, which essentially will help us adapt to ever-changing climate. Those um, 90 degree day stats are really mind blowing. I was born in the last few weeks of 1969. So I think I would qualify for what you said about um, people born then would have seen 40 days of 90 degree plus days and now double that. You and I spoke a little bit before recording about both being from the New England area. I am not built for 90 degree days. I think it's summer, you know, when it's 60 outside and that's fine with me. I'm going to wear shorts and a short sleeve shirt and my friends are going to mock me. But um, that's that's some big change. That's more than just, um, you know, outside the margin of error. Obviously, something significant is happening and we know that it's climate change and we know that it's human caused. So when you're looking at an area the size of the one that the Tampa Bay Regional Planning Council covers, how, you know, with, you have farmland, as you just mentioned, you have businesses, you have communities, how do you help prepare everyone for the continued changes that are to come? I think uh, first and foremost, our our council is comprised, we have uh, 42 members, if my math is correct, and I'm sure it is, 
27 of whom are elected officials from throughout the region. So really the policy setting and the goal setting begins with our elected officials. And when we talk about the need for resiliency in this region, we talk about some of the changes that we have lived through, um, that the, the policy makers get it. Uh, they have charged us uh, as staff here at the Regional Planning Council with developing uh, a regional resiliency strategy. Uh, and we have done that. In fact, the council, Chelsea, will be taking this, uh, we call the Regional Resiliency Action Plan. The council will be taking this up at, that, at their November uh, meeting. Uh, we're asking them to adopt this plan and then to send this out to our partner governments really throughout the Tampa Bay region. While we expect to be the lead at the Regional Planning Council, we've developed a list of priorities that will help better prepare this region for climate change and all of the subsidiaries from climate change, sea level rise, warmer days, greater storm surge, uh, and get in a room and think about and develop practices that can help us all survive uh, and prosper in an ever-changing environment when it comes to climate change. That sounds like the kind of thing that other uh, municipalities could look at and learn from and maybe adapt to meet their own needs. That's that's exactly right. That's what we hope. This is really the second of its kind in Florida. Uh, its kind in Florida. We know our friends in the greater Miami area have developed something similar a few years back. Uh, we know our region isn't Miami. We're a little bit different here in Tampa Bay, and we really take pride on the uniqueness of the region. So we worked with elected officials and staff members really for the last three years including during COVID, uh, COVID to help us develop these regional priorities. We think they work. I could just talk about a couple of them, sure. how to communicate things, land use design and land use itself, zoning, uh, housing. And we know housing. What we found, uh, Chelsea, in the study that we did recently with uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, and not a surprising finding, but was that our most vulnerable population members live in housing that is the most vulnerable. So older homes that are more susceptible to vulnerability of climate change and of storm surge and of excessive rain. So what can we do as a region to develop practices, one, in the short term to help the folks who live in these homes and then to develop policies moving forward that will help us harden these homes and make them more resilient to climate change. We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at republicen.org. Now back to this week's episode. I mean, those are really important questions, and I hadn't really thought about what that point you just made about the most vulnerable also live in the most most vulnerable structures usually, and and that makes a lot of sense. And um, you know. That's the part that always gets me a little bit when I watch um, storm evacuations happening and, you know, with the privilege of watching it from the comfort of my own house and not actually being in a situation or living in a region where where we would have to have that kind of evacuation. And you think about the people who can't get out, right? You think about the older people who maybe don't have someone around in their community who can help them or people who can't afford to leave or, um, you know, whatever reason. And um, it just must be really frightening and to to feel like your community is suddenly gone and there you are and you're trying to um, manage the trauma of, of a storm. Right. You know, it had a, it's been 101 years, Chelsea, since a, a major hurricane made landfall in the Tampa Bay region. So we really have been fortunate. We've been identified by the Wall Street Journal and the World Bank as being the number one most uh, place vulnerable uh, place to a storm 
in, in really in America in terms of its impact on our economy. Uh, 101 years ago, we had 400,000 people living in this region. Today, we have 3.8 million. So to say that a direct hit would be catastrophic would probably be an understatement. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we are terribly sad and work with our friends in the south, southwest Florida, Fort Myers, Sanibel Island, Pine Island. We all have family or friends who live in that area. I happen to have a brother and sister who live in Fort Myers. Fortunately, they both survived. But we're, we escaped a direct hit in the Tampa Bay region. I mean, on Monday, September 26th, it was, there was a predicted, even the 27th, early in the day, we were projected as having a direct hit in the Tampa Bay region. Yeah. Um, and things turned on the 28th where the, the hurricane basically took a right and hit the, the, the peninsula of Florida to the south of us. So we were fortunate. The damage that we suffered could have been a lot worse. And uh, But it's important that we learn from what we have been through as a state and that we develop policies with our, uh, our uh, leaders, our elected leaders, and then take those policies and make them into practices for our staff level folks to help us become more resilient so we can be better prepared for the next big storm. Sean, let's um, shift a little bit and talk about insurance. Um, I We had a guest on the show a few weeks ago, Marty Collins, a uh, land use attorney, and she talked a little bit about this, the fear that underwriters are going to pick up their stakes and move out of the state of Florida and not not insure homes or businesses anymore because of the threats that these storms pose and the the frequency with which they're having to pay out um, policy holders. And, and Chelsea, you're absolutely right. That That's clearly a concern. In fact, uh, the Governor DeSantis here in Florida has identified um, insurance as really a priority, and he will be uh, holding or convening, if you will, a special se- session of the Florida legislature who their, their 2023 session isn't scheduled to begin until March, and he's going to bump that back and have a special session sometime before March to address that issue. I could tell you, tell you on a personal level, my homeowner's insurance tripled this year. Yes, tripled. That, it's painful. Um, we went from approximately a dozen insurers in this state down to about a half a dozen, and my suspicion is that that will shrink uh, fortunately, the state has a an insurer of last resort called Citizens Property Insurance. That is a state-run entity. When you run out of alternatives, you, people end up there. And the numbers show that Citizens Insurance membership has been growing rapidly. And I expect that will continue as, as these private insurers tend to pull out of Florida. Um, and most days here in Florida, it's a sunny day. I mean, the 350 days of sunshine but it's that one day of hurricane direct hit that is a game changer. Hey, if you didn't have those 350 days of sunshine, then all of our friends and family members in New England wouldn't be moving to Florida when they retired, which I already have high school friends that have made that move because, you know, you spend your life uh, living in Maine and detesting the winters. It sounds really nice to have 365 days of sun, but maybe you don't realize how, uh, impactful that one day or those two days that, as you just said, can be to your entire life, your home, to everything that you hold dear. That, that's correct. You know, my sister had a car float away out of her yard and four feet of water on her street in Fort Myers. And if you were at her home, Fort Myers on a sunny day, it's a beautiful four bedroom home and a beautiful subdivision. 
The only water they have is a drainage retention area between uh, say 30 of the homes. And on a hurricane day with storm surge, it's, it's just vastly different. Uh, fortunately, her home will be okay. But uh, my brother, uh, his circumstance was a little bit different. His home, not quite destroyed, but pretty close. Wow. I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, it sounds like what sort of next steps are for um, adoption of your regional resiliency action plans. Absolutely. Re- adopt the plan and then really begin to work to implement. And that's one of the things that, that we do here at the Regional Planning Council as a regional convener. We will we will convene and be the leader, if you will, to work with uh, 27. We actually, for this plan, we, we've grown to 32 governments. We've actually had folks call and ask us to join uh, and we haven't said no to anyone. Uh, there is no cost. We just ask that you bring your expertise to the table with you and then be, be willing to learn from each other. And, and we think using that approach will give validity to the plan and will just help better prepare us when we, we have, we've got private sector partners. We've got over 90 private sector partners now that have also said that they will come to the table to help us implement these regional priorities. So while we're, we're, we're heartbroken for what happened from Ian, we're excited about the prospects of the future as we begin to implement the regional priorities laid out in the Regional Resiliency Action Plan. Well, I think that's really important. You can, you know, we can sometimes, I can be a wallower, right, when something happens. And so, you know, to roll up your sleeves and get to work and be better prepared for the next one. And that's all that we can ask for. And I'm happy to hear that you have these 32 different governments um, wanting to be part of this. This is an important conversation to have. And I I know that you are are juggling a lot of priorities right now and a lot of um, pressures from Hurricane Ian. So I don't want to take up more of your time, but thank you for sharing everything that you're doing, um, the work of the Regional Planning Council and Um, You know, we'll continue to spread the word to our listeners, of course, about the work you're doing and maybe even see you in Florida sometime for an event. I think um, these are important conversations for all of us to be part of. That's great. Well, thank you for the opportunity. And keep in mind, we are having a regional resiliency summit uh, on May 4th and 5th here in the state of Florida in the Tampa Bay region. And uh, you're more than welcome to attend. And if your listeners would like to attend, please check it out on our website, which is www dot tbrpc.org. Great. And we'll link that in the show notes too. Thank you so much for your time, Sean. Thank you, Chelsea. Hi, I'm Peter Santoscano, host of Citizens Climate Radio. We highlight people's stories. We celebrate your successes. And together we share strategies for talking about climate change. We do all this by hearing from some pretty surprising climate advocates like indie race car driver Aaron Tillitz choreographer Lynn Newman, and comedian Esteban Gast. We feature politicians, preachers, and poets. And we explore unexpected questions like, what does the Bible say about climate change? How are our pets affected by extreme weather? And what about the children? By focusing our message so much about their future, are we overlooking the real risks our families and communities face today? Citizens Climate Radio is designed to inform you about the many ways people are addressing the causes and impacts of climate change. Subscribe and listen to Citizens Climate Radio wherever you get your podcast. Bryce, I think that that might cap our our Florida series. You know, we've had um, a suite of folks all from a very different perspective talking about uh, sort of post-hurricane Ian, but not just post the hurricane. 
climate change is a daily part of the lives of people who live in Florida. And so especially for people like Sean Sullivan, who's responsible for, you know, helping 3.8 million residents in his region figure out how to be resilient and how to set local level policy goals so that they can be um, not just safe, but so they can thrive. I just found him really informative and uh, oh man, if I ever live someplace where my home insurance went up, like tripled in a year, I would be like, see, ya, I'm out of here. But folks like him and Marty Collins, they're really committed to staying and making the, the state a better place. Well, unfortunately, Hurricane Ian did come there, but I guess in a very selfish way, it did tee up some, some maybe some guests that we otherwise would not have had, you know, with, um, due to the hurricane, just, you know, because it brought obviously unwanted attention clearly to, you know, the Southwest coast of Florida. So yeah, I think that would probably put a cap on it uh, as we barrel toward, you know, the end of the year and we'll be wrapping up season five. And as you told listeners last week on episode 100, this being our 101st total episode, but we will have a best of at the end of the season, which will include, you know, season five guests. So that's why you didn't hear anybody from this season in the best of 100th episode. So, uh, patience, but, listeners, patience. It'll patience, come. <laughs> patience. But I, I should say welcome back too, because uh, yeah, you're back from Germany and uh, chance to go yeah. see your son over there studying abroad. Uh, yeah, you know. super fun. He's thriving. Just all you can ask for as a parent. So that's awesome. I'm glad you made it back in one piece. Glad you had a safe trip. Want to shout out some new. Had a members. beer for you too, Price. Had a beer for you. I hope you had three or four. What was your favorite kind? <laughs> Oh, I don't drink beer until. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> they're enough. They're all good. You know, they're German. Like the light ones are good. The dark ones are good. They're all good. Never kiss until. You never kiss until. Um, <laughs> new members, shout outs to Ted L. in New Hampshire, Gretchen S. in Maryland, Lawrence T. in Florida, Karen S. in Kansas, James B. in Ohio, as my dog Millie makes her first cameo. I hope nobody heard that in the background as somebody came to the door. Um, If you want to sign up, republican.org forward slash join. Stand with us right there. It takes all of seconds. We would love to have you on the team before the end of the year. Literally, it just takes seconds to do. Also, um, sign up to download, listen, get this podcast delivered right to your smartphone every single week. Apple Podcast. If you're not an Apple user, you can uh, use, uh, if you're an Android user, you can use the Spotify app. Uh, you can download Spotify and then search EcoWrite Speaks. You can you search EcoWrite Speaks, you know, on Apple Podcast. Clearly, if you've got an iPad, yep. a Mac, uh, iPhone, whatever. Myriad I mean, of ways. There are ways for you to listen. There are no excuses. No excuses. Wherever you listen to your podcast, you can get the Eco Right Speaks. Brought to you by our all-star host, Chelsea Henderson herself, straight back on the ground from Germany. That's right. So, and my birthday's in December, which means, you know, I always like it when... I'm an acts of service kind of girl. So mm-hmm. by downloading um, rating, we haven't asked for a rating in a long time. The podcast, that's like a form of a birthday present for me. So that is, that would be a great birthday present uh, for all of us. If you like what we do here. Yeah. Hit the, hit that stars uh, button there at the bottom of the podcast on Apple podcast. Uh, give us five, give us four, give us anything, but uh, any kind of rating. If you want to write something, any stars that helps it uh, become more visible and easier to find. So we want to keep doing this. We want to do a hundred more episodes. This is now we 101. Do. Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> so, well, well without- price onward and upward. We have 99 more to go to hit 200. So now okay. I sound like a um, fundraising, you know, when they do fundraising week on NPR and like, we just need 99 more donations. We just need 99 more episodes and we'll be at 200. Help us get there, what, listeners. And you remember when we were one, we were talking about doing this, right? How in the world are we going to come up with 100 people? How in the world? I know. But we did it pretty easy. <laughs> now I'm going to say, how in the world are we going to come up with 100 more? I know. But, you know, I think it's also we haven't exactly had 100 because we've had some repeat voices and those are important. I think they show progression and perspective. And so, you know, we'll, we'll definitely dive back into the well a couple of times to bring people back. But um, yeah, no, there's always there's something out there for everyone, I'm convinced. And we're just going to keep working our tails off to make this show double its current level of uh, output. Absolutely. Our listeners invest their time every single week, and we are trying to invest on their behalf. So we appreciate them. Every single person that's ever listened to a episode, this episode, many episodes, we we thank you, and we will continue on in the Eco Right Speaks, the fight for free enterprise solutions to climate justice. Until next week. That's right. Until next week. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader.